You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. Mike, the offseason's off to a wild start. We have a major, major trade, and I, I don't want to say um, we're in a new era of Celtics basketball, but uh, significant changes in a way that we haven't seen in quite a bit uh, have taken place. With the Christoph Porzingis from Marcus Smart trade, obviously we have the draft to talk about um, and what happens next. And, you know, my views on the trade have evolved quite a bit, you know, since it, it has taken place, my views on the roster. But I, I just want to start quickly with Marcus Smart because I think that's what deserves to start. Um, you know, obviously he's been here for nine, nine years, Mike. and he made the playoffs every season he's been here. Um, and the thing that I just admire most about him is just how much he cared. How much he cared about being a Celtic, how much he cared about the community, how much he cared about giving back. And there's not many athletes in this town that embrace being a Boston guy. Um, just even over the course of 20 years, you can probably only name a handful. Um, there hasn't been a ton of Celtics. You think KG, IT, and I, I think Marcus Smart. And he loved it here. He embraced it, and he cared. He, he cared um, every game he was in there. Sometimes it would come out the wrong way, um, and sometimes it, it you know he would cost his team um, with over aggressiveness or you know erratic play. But I think on the whole, the experience here you know, was worthy and uh, he's going to be missed. And, and the culture of the team has definitely changed uh, both on and off the court. And it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust to that. Um, but I I, uh, I admired him as an athlete. I admired him as the Celtics and I admired what, what he brought to the community. Um, so that's just my opening take on it, Mike. Um, and, you know, send it over to you. Yeah, I think the continued talk about Marcus Smart as he leaves town is disrespectful. Like, people are just remembering him as this guy who, like, dived on the floor for basketballs, and that's it. No, he was the defensive player of the year two years ago. He's been first-team all-defense, all-NBA. He isn't, like, some guy. He was one of the best players on the team. He was the best defender in the league. He was the first guard since Gary Payton to win the award. Like, I think that gets lost in all this, that he actually is a really good basketball player. He had 10 assists in the first half of game one against Miami Heat. He was a point guard. We noted this recently that they didn't need to upgrade that point guard because they had one. Jason Tatum had to change up his game at the end of games. That's what the Celtics need. I'm going to miss Marcus Smart. I loved watching him from the moment he got drafted. I remember that first season when he got hurt, and I was like, oh, shit, another Celtic that we drafted early on. He's already hurt. He's not going to be nothing. And then every year he was here, that team contended. The team picked up on his personality. The team responded to his leadership. He was the one who called. Talk shit about him like he should have kept his mouth shut. But he was right. And the team listened to what he had to say, and they adjusted and made it to the NBA Finals. Outside of Jason Tatum against Miami, he was your second best player. Like, I don't want us to get lost in that this guy and what he contributed to basketball. 
Like he's a very good basketball player. He isn't just a guy who flops and takes charges. He's not Patrick Beverly. He's an all-world defensive player. And I'm not saying you're saying that, Jim. I'm just like the talk out here as he leaves town. Um, we'll get into specifics of it. The Celtics got a better player in this trade. That is obvious. But Marcus Smart was a great Celtic. Um, yeah, yeah, and, what's the problem? Yeah, I'm going to miss him. Uh, yeah, uh, and for the list of problems on this team, he wasn't really on my list. Exactly. Off season, and um, I know he's a lightning rod. Um, certainly, with the media and some folks in town, where every time something goes wrong with this team, the thing gets pointed at him. Um, you know, it's it's kind of surprising to me how. Um, uh, Can I make one more note, Jim, about him? My last note is I want to I want to double up on what you said. This guy dyed his hair green, like he wanted to be in Boston. He loved it here. Yeah. Outside of like very few athletes that you can talk about, that is not the truth when it comes to being loyal to your team. The way Marcus Smart was loyal to the city, like so we traded away a guy that really really wanted to be here, um, and I mean. That's a tough decision to make as a general manager. I got to give Brad props because I don't think I would have ever been able to trade Marcus Smart, if I'm going to be honest. So, um, yeah, I, I love Marcus Smart and that that Memphis Grizzly team, they're going to love him too. Oh, he's going to be a good fit there. I mean, what the word I was looking for, I, I'm surprised at how much of a lightning rod he actually is when it comes to this team and when things go wrong. Um, it, it especially, you know, the advent of sports talk radio and, and you know things you know late night television stuff um it's really unfair it's interesting uh, maybe at the end of the show i'll try to get to a, some of the way they say things make comments but um i just you don't get a lot of athletes like i said that really love being here caring about it you know even the last 20 years just the professional sports you boss and you think like pedro and you know, Ortiz. Uh, you know, some, you know, Teddy Bruschi, you know, Patrice Bergeron, you know, mm-hmm. IT, and Marcus Smart. You don't have a lot that wanted to identify as New England, as Boston. And, um, you know, it was, it was shocking. And it was shocking in the way it went down because, you know, you went, you know, around one of twenty-four hours that was. Yeah, was <laughs> yeah. Time, um, the day before the draft on Wednesday, and you, you're hearing these rumors, and Sham Sharadia um, is is basically saying it's a done deal that Brogdon's going to the Clippers, and um, you know, Mook Morris is going over to the Wizards, and Christoph Porzingis is coming to Boston, and, and and you feel like the momentum building towards that all day long, then all of a sudden you get that Shams re- and the, the Woes report around 11 o'clock at night saying that that deal is falling apart, the Celtics are still looking to move forward, but it needs to be de- completed by midnight. And about 10 of, you know, 11.50 at night, you, you see the, the move gets made. Ever, I think initially everyone thought it meant Brogdon, and, and it turned out to be smart going to Memphis and Porzingis and two first-round picks coming to Boston. Uh, which is, you know, it was just stunning. It was just stunning. So I think that had a lot to do with the emotional reaction because you did not see that coming. Um, it does raise questions of, with how it came together so fast that they must have probably already been talking smart. 
maybe in separate traits. Yeah, they have it. Yeah, and so, um, you know, which makes me think that maybe they're not quite done here, and I hope they're not because I don't think the roster makes a ton of sense right now. Um, the more you look at it, I and and that kind of gets you over to the trade, and yeah, and I hated losing Smod. On the other hand. Getting Christoph Porzingis and two first-round picks or whatever it is now with all the seconds um, is a lot. Is a lot more than I thought they would be able to get for Smart. Um, so on the surface, that's a, a good trade. And Porzingis is a better all-around player than Smart. So that you, you look at that, I, the roster, though, what we could talk about in a second gets a little weird, I think, and the way they're going to play is going to be a little different. Um, yeah, I mean, I look at this like Porzingis is definitely the better player, obviously, but I mean, what's going to be the better fit and who's going to be more reliable? I mean, Marcus Smart suits up and plays every night. Um, Porzingis doesn't have a history of playing through injuries. He is 7-3. You do worry about those guys yep. when they have bad knees and they have bad feet. And you already have Rob Williams who can't play every night. You already have old, an older Al Horford who you really got to cut his minutes down. So, I mean, I'd be very – and then you have Malcolm Brogdon, which you don't know what you're going to get from him. So it just feels like a lot of guys in this roster that and you, you can't – you end up trading him still? I kind of do. We'll see. I don't know. Um, I don't know what you – I mean, if if I could keep Grant Williams, yeah. Yeah, I would trade Malcolm Brogdon, but um, that that whole thing's a mystery with Brogdon. Like, how injured is he, re- injured is he really? Because I'm hearing on the radio that, you know, he, you know, even if he goes through surgery, he could be back by the beginning of the season. So it's like, well, Malcolm Brogdon could be back by the beginning of the season. Do you want to move that? Do you want to move the sixth man of the air? Or do you want to keep that? Because that that's like that makes you better to have Malcolm Brogdon, I think. Like if Malcolm Brogdon's healthy, doesn't that make you better? Why would you trade it unless it's for money? And that's the other part of this that I'm interested in is like we moved out of the first round pick. Was that because we didn't have the player that we wanted? Or was it money? And is if it's money, are we not going into the tax again? Because if we're not doing that, we're really not going all in to win this year. So there's a lot of things to be thinking about with this offseason about, like, where are we? What are we doing? Um, I'm not moving Malcolm Brogdon if I'm not going to play a back that, that can play at a close level to what he brings you if he's healthy. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think this trade was about money. That's what makes it so interesting. So initially I thought, you know, they're getting Porzingis and it's going to be a short-term rental. And that's why the Brogdon trade makes so much sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. you can kind of move off that money. You bring in Porzingis for one year, there's no draft picks going out, fine. You know, it, it just seemed fine. Um, but now you're hearing that it's likely they're going to extend him uh, once July 1st hits for a couple more years. So you're looking at, what, $36 million for the next – so $72 million over the next two years. Um, yeah, he might ask for forty. So it's, 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 not, it's not a money – move in that sense um you still have the same issues that you're going to have you and pushing them down the road towards another day i but isn't there a thing if they go into the repeat attacks this year that they pay a ton of money or something 
Yeah, so, well, there's that. So if you're worried about the repeat attacks, and I don't know if the Celtics are or not, um, mm. I, 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 you know, there are hot caps that you have to worry about once you go into the attacks um, where you're, you're not able to make different moves and things like that. Um, and that, that kind of made sense for pushing out the second-round picks. Um, collecting a bunch of second-round picks makes sense. Uh, so, yeah forward with this new CBA um, mm. for a lot of different reasons, a, a way to make moves, to maybe move contracts out or, um, you know, it's just like, it, it's kind of good business. Um, but I, you know, I just look at the setup of this team right now and it's, you've gone from a team that, you know, is hard to defend and, um, you know, didn't have a lot of weaknesses on the defensive end if they were all engaged, you know, and obviously there was a lack of creativity with the coaching last year. They have some serious holes in this roster right now, and I almost feel like Brogdon, you kind of need that to bring in another style-level player, that contract, and maybe a couple of your first to cover up some of those holes. Um, I think this team is fine during the regular season. I think during the playoffs, there could be some issues. Well, I do too. And I think like, I heard a really good comment. Maybe it was Brian Windhorse. And he was just, you know, he was just talking about how much he loves smart and just like, you know, after a loss, what it would be like to interview him in the locker room and after a win, it's like how much like the media loved him and stuff. And then he was just saying like, with the Celtics, it isn't always about how they play. It's about the focus of their star athletes. And he was just like, I don't know if moving smart actually fixes that problem. Like, and I think he's right. Like, obviously we talked a lot about it during this Miami series. Like they just couldn't score against his own. Jalen Brown turns it over too much. It's just like really like maddening decisions that they make. And it kind of, to me seems like no matter what they do, it's all about Tatum and Brown now. There are no excuses at the end of the game. The ball can't find Marcus Smart's hands on offense. It, it needs to find your hands. It needs you. You need to be the guys. You you need to be making the right decisions. And when somebody throws a zone at us, like you guys on the floor, need to make the plays. And I think like no matter what happens here, there is another step for those two to take when it comes to championship basketball. That you know that leadership piece with Marcus Smart is gone now, and it it, it falls on them, right? Like yeah, they're the yeah. they're the veteran leadership now, right? Like those are the veteran leaders. Yeah, and like there's questions about this team's toughness. I think that rightfully sure, questions sure. and you know they they didn't get tougher. Um, and the versatility is kind of gone. I think in terms of those mm-hmm. two taking a step, I think sure it's leadership. But you know, I'd also love to see them start creating for one another. How often do you see Jason Tatum set Jalen Brown up, or vice versa? And, and you know, there's a lot of positives from building with two wings. Um, you can create teams that you know are really tough to play, but it, it's it's not necessarily a perfect setup. I mean, there isn't a perfect so. setup. Yeah. So, well, maybe I, Denver has the perfect setup. <laughs> well, well, know, they got the best player in the world, so that helps. Yeah, and there was a lot of parity <laughs> and things like that in the league. I just, I just look at this now, when you got a guy in Porzingis who you can definitely, you know, murder switch. You can hold some up. 
you post him up. He's a 40% three-point shooter, so your shooting got better. He's a much better shooter than Smart. He's 7-3, so he can shoot over anybody. He defends a pick and roll, but you brought it up to me. He is going to be, you know, you switch him out on the perimeter. He's going to struggle there a little bit. Um, he isn't known for his toughness. Um, he's loved teams where his teammates really haven't loved him. Um, so there are some serious questions about what it's going to look like with him here. He is he's also of, been he accused is, of some bad things too. Did yeah, he did. yeah. Um, he is coming into his prime at 27 years old, and he did have his best season of his career. Um, he's the best, one of the top five defenders in the league, one of the best players against the screening role in the league, one of the best efficient post players in the league. Um, and that stuff's all great. Uh, it's also sometimes easy to do that over a course of 82 on a really bad team. Um, you know, what is it going to look like when the pressure is ramped up in the playoffs and they need him to kill a switch? Or, you know, he's going into drop coverage and you have a guy like James Harden come downhill. Um, yeah. You know, I heard some really good. What is it? Oh, look keep like? going. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you like that, but um, I heard some really interesting stuff from Scals where he was like, uh, because I had told you that I was looking up his stuff from Dallas because obviously last year it looked like he improved a lot on the defensive end. And some of the articles I was reading in Dallas was like, you couldn't play him double bigs because it would just become a layup line and Porzingis couldn't cover the pick and roll. So obviously he's made strides, right? And then in Dallas, I know we were asking about the coaching, but the articles I was reading were that he was refusing to post up. And that was part of the problem in Dallas. So, I mean, the guys made strides. And what I found interesting from, from Scals, he, he said, I'm not comparing him to Dirk because he's never going to be Dirk. He said, but when Dirk lost to the eighth seed, when Dallas were the favorites to win the finals years back when that Baron Davis team beat him, there were guys like Baron Davis getting under him and not allowing him to post up and pushing him off the post and, there was all that talk about Dirk being soft because he was. And he came back that next season and he was just a monster on the post for the rest of his career. And he was a really good defender for the rest of his career, Dirk. Like to think about that, like Dirk was a good on defense against Miami and Chris Bosch. Um, what he was basically saying is like, he kind of sees that with Porzingis. Like he saw that last year, like he left Dallas. There was all that talk and, and maybe this is who he is. My concern is those previous seven seasons, he was never this. But if we get that guy from Washington here in Boston and he plays, the Celtics nailed this and they should be the favorite, in my opinion. Like if we got the guy from Washington and that's who's here and that's who's here moving forward with Tatum and Brown, I mean, this makes the world of a difference. You know, it it makes the world, but I don't know if that's him. Look at that last game against the Wizards. Um, They they were finding ways to get Dirk at the post and get matchups and kill switches against Brown, Smart, uh, you know, the smaller guards. Years passed, Smart would own him in the post defensively. Yeah, into to that, right? Yeah. That that didn't happen, and I, I think that was a consistent thing with Przingis um, all year, you know, that improvement. Hopefully that continues, but I, I still think they need more versatility on this roster right now. Um, you know, especially if Grant's going, that's another guy that can got a ton of different positions. That's another mm-hmm. tough guy. 
and so you lose that. You lose that. Can one. I ask you a question, Jim? Is Grant going for any basketball reason at all? Well, it would be uh, if the coach doesn't like him. Yeah, then yeah. You know, and I don't know that to be the case, but it sure felt that way. Um, but Grant's a versatile basketball player. He's not a great player, but he's a versatile basketball player. I mean, even smart, you know, would take on the uh, challenge of Gardner and Bede in that series. Not that, you know, and Bede struggled with it, but he, he did a good enough job to survive moments. They just need they need more guys like that. Um, I just look at it now with Brogdon and Przingis, Mike. I see two guys that um, are really good offensive players. Przingis, you know, he had his improvement as a run defender and as a, you know, pick and roll defender. But a guy, if you get him on the perimeter one-on-one, he's going to struggle. Brogdon, I thought, really was not a good defender in the playoffs last year. I don't see them either one as versatile players, as guys that, you know, you look at, oh, man, both sides of the floor, it's hard to find a weakness. Yep. I, I think there's still value for Brogdon in the league to get rid of sure. him and bring yep. something back. I think what reason why the Clippers turned it down is because there wasn't enough time to get a physical in and the medicals with the midnight deadline. That's exactly why. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I, I tend to think that I'd be surprised if he's on this team, and I think that's a piece they're going to have to use. And I'm also quite comfortable with, you know, not a ton of point guard depth. You know, they bring in one off a free agency is fine. I think it's time to give Derek Boyd a ton of minutes and, and to be the man here and let it run through him. And I, I think that's the other yeah, positive about this trade. I think Derek White was your, one of your top three players last year. And even with the Pazingas trade, he still might be. Yeah, I think, Jimmy, you're making really good points. And the other part of it, too, that's missing from this conversation is Peyton Pritchett had, I think it was seven straight games in the uh, championship around the playoffs where he scored 10 or more points. I mean, yeah. the kid is, I mean, he's shown that he could play at a high level. Under Ime, I don't know if he'll do this under um, Missoula, but under Ime, that guy was God in you. Like, I loved watching Pritchett play defense, and his teammates did too that year. So, like, I'm ready to let that kid play. And the interesting thing you're saying about Brogdon is what I'm hearing from Brian Robb. So, B Robb's been on 98.5 The Sports Hub a lot. He's got his own basketball show now. It's like really good. And he was basically saying, there's got to be another move with all these second-round picks. And he's like you. He thinks they're going to move Brogdon attached to, like, a package of these second-rounders. And he was like, because you have options, the Celtics can take back $28 million in salary for the 22 that they're offering with Brogdon. So that there are players you can bring back with that. And so I was thinking about, like, if I'm a team like Charlotte and somebody's going to throw – like four second round picks at my franchise, and I got to take Brogdon on. Like, would I be willing to move on from a guy like a, a Kelly Oubre or something? Yes. So I, I think, like, I think there are still talented players that the Celtics could bring in with what they have after this draft night, and of course with Brogdon's contract. Yeah, I, I, it'd be nice to get another wing. I, I think Haywood's on there. His last yeah, there. I don't know if that's the guy you want to bring on, but. You need, uh, another injured guy. Yeah, you definitely just need versatile players. It, I think there's just too much. If I'm an opposing team, if I'm Milwaukee, you know, with uh, Holiday and Giannis, and I look at the Celtics and I see a lot I can attack with those two guys next year, you know, and 
I, I think the Celtics would really struggle to get through a series the way they're constituted against those guys. Um, what do you think happens to Rob? I think the Celtics are going to see this through with Rob and see what it's going to look like his first healthy season. And, yeah. you know, and um, you know, he started to look more like himself, I thought, towards the end of the year. And, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes it just takes time. You know, there was a lot of talk two years ago uh, at the end of last season with Jamal Murray ever looked the same again. And he certainly looked the same this past season, you know, and the first year yeah. after he did it. So um, I think you see what it looks like. If it doesn't look like much, I think he could definitely be a guy they look to move by the trade deadline for sure. And they need depth there too. Like, I, I, there needs to be, you know, in the addition of trading Brogdon, there still needs to be a, at least three players added to this roster. Um, And so that's, that's going to happen there. Um, And I mean, there'd be a lot of competition at these minimum contracts because like Phoenix has to fill that whole team with minimum contracts. So yeah. Yeah. Well, in the Celtics, you know, one advantage they have over Phoenix is they still have the $5 million mid-level taxpayer exemption. Phoenix doesn't have that. So they're willing to use it. Yeah. So they'd be, so they can, bring somebody in with an option, you know, um, and sometimes those players are helpful. Look, the Nuggets the, nailed it last year with Chris Brown on that deal. So, yeah. They did. Yeah. Nailed it with Jeff Green at $3.9 million too. Yeah. So I think with that, Mike, um, you know, free agency starts next week and we can, uh, we can circle back then and do another pod, but, you know. Yeah. You don't have any comments about the, uh, well, Chris Paul playing with Steph Curry, what that's going to look like. I, I mean, I, I'm like kind of confused by it. So I, I see that he, out of all the point guards in the NBA over like the last 10 years, has the most assists, three-point shooters. So he fits in, I guess, there. But Golden State likes to run. Have you ever known him to want to run? All right, anyways, we can talk about that in the next pod. Yeah, no, hey, it's going to be interesting there. We'll see. Um... See how much he has left on the legs. I have no, I have not thought about it with everything that's happened with the Celtics. I really haven't. Um, but we'll 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 catch up soon. Um, you know, when one news breaks, we'll be back on. Uh free agency starts in just a few days, July 1st. So I'm sure we'll hear some more of that. All right, see you later.